Thanks for joining me, everyone. Charles Moskowitz, live stream. Uh, Gary Goldman's my guest. He is a nationally recognized host of Business, Politics, and Lifestyles, a weekly talk show airing at WCRN 830 in Metro Boston out in Worcester. Gary, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. <laughs> Gary, you talk about uh, about politics and news from an economic standpoint. Um, I guess I'd like to start with a somewhat of an overview and a thumbnail, if you will, on the on the Trump economy. I mean, it seems to me that the day Trump was elected president back in uh, November of, of 2016, yeah. it was like a lid was lifted off. You know, all of a sudden the stock market surged and there was a uh, kind of a reestablishment of confidence generally in the economy. What do you think happened at that time, and how do you think it's gone since? So I, I, I think part of it was psychologically under the Obama administration, people were afraid to make moves, businesses. Um, I, I talked to a lot of corporate people that had plenty of cash, plenty of money, wanted to make moves, but they were concerned about different policies within that administration. So I think there was a big psychological impact there. Um, I believe I think exactly what you're saying. Trump lifted the lid and the money started to flow. And I, look at, I think I think it's flowing properly. That you know there there are some hiccups. There have been some hiccups, and there probably will be as we go forward. But we've got into this mindset that every so many years we're going to have a correction mm -hmm. or something terrible is going to happen. I don't see that coming for at least the next four to five years, and maybe a little longer. I, th I think we're going to be secure. I think there are a lot of signs out there that. Um, companies still want to grow. You just have to look at the job market and uh, real estate's doing well. So I, I think there's a lot of positive things going on out there. It does appear to be so. I mean, the unemployment is at a low ebb. I think it hasn't been this low in the last 30 years, including and particularly amongst the African-American community and people of color. Um, you have a reduction in onerous regulations. It's not that he's against business, but... You know, there's a lot of redundancy and over-regulation that hurts the ability of small businessmen to get invest and to grow. You have the tax cuts. You have trade policies that are controversial, but yet at the same time, I think that they seem to be bearing some fruit in terms of um, at least examining, if not ultimately attacking, the international trade deficit. So where are you on this whole business of the, uh, the tariff policies and and with China and European Union, et cetera. I'm okay. I think the United States has been more than generous over the years and not forcing some of these tariffs that the president has put on recently. And I truthfully believe that if he works out a deal with China, and I don't think it's if, I think that deal's coming very soon, you're going to see even a bigger expansion, in the, a larger expansion in the economy. And I think that's going to have a long-lasting effect. Um, I, you know, look at the, south of the border, the, we can talk about that. There's some economic issues down there. Mm -hmm. When we keep the threats going on with Mexico, and I think we have to keep those countries, um, you know, we have to keep the pressure on them to do what's right for the United States. But I think all in all, you know, tariffs are a funny, it's funny business. I've talked to several economists, and they all have a different perspective on them. Mm -hmm. But I think in this regard, the president has made it clear to countries around the world that the United States wants to do business with you, but it has to be fair to the American people and the American taxpayer and the consumers in America. So I have no problem with this. I, I think it's going to, over the long haul, it's going to do this country 
we haven't even begun to reap the benefits of these yet, in my opinion. No, I mean, I'm with you on that. I mean, it protects American labor. It protects American industry. It promotes American small business. And, uh, you know, a tiny tariff on a product from China that's made of practically nothing, it's not going to affect really the price of that product. I mean, if China could create a pair of sneakers for like 50 cents and then they sell them in the United States for $80, I mean, they could take on a small tariff and right. not really have it affect the bottom line. And I think the American people have to practice what they preach. We and, and I think some are willing, and you know, it, it always comes down to the prices they see at the store or you know whatever they're buying. But you know, we want we want to keep it fair for America, and sometimes it may cost us in some instances a little money, businesses. But I think in the long haul, if you look at the whole picture, I think it's I think it's well overdue and it's justified, and I think America is going to benefit greatly from this, as are our you know trade partners around the world. Oh, um, leveling the playing field, as they say. And, and also, I mean, they talk about the United States. I mean, the, the enemies of Trump talk about him launching a trade war, but we're already in a trade war. I mean, these countries, China, the European Union, Germany, they have tariffs already against American imports. And uh, this is, in a sense, we're finally stepping up. I mean, past presidents, the Bushes, Obama, they all talked about this, but they never did it. Trump comes in. And he's actually, you know, hey, he's, he actually thinks he's president. <laughs> yeah, President Trump, people don't, they're not used to him. They're not used to a president elected to office doing exactly what he said he was going to do. And he, does, he doesn't kick the can down the road as many other presidents do, have done. He looks at the problem and he continues to look for solutions. He could easily check out of a number of these uh, things that he wanted to do by saying, look, and I gave it a shot. The American people gave me a hard time as past presidents have or Congress or the House, the Senate. They didn't want to do it. But he continues on it. And I think behind the scenes, he has some great people working on these policies. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think particularly this new attorney general. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's come in and he seems like the kind of guy doesn't take crap from anybody, whether it be Trump or Mueller or anyone else. He's going to go in there and he's going to... Um, you know, uphold the law, you know, and, and he's like a sheriff. Yeah, and, and, and there's nothing wrong. You know, I, I, yesterday I had a conversation with some people when he came out, made the com comment about spying. And I'm like, well, what did you, based on everything you've seen, what, what do you think may have happened here? I mean, this is, I don't care what your party affiliation is. This is a dangerous way to, for the American government, American people not to be a little more outraged over this, because this could have been, you know, when, when you talk about possibly a coup or a soft coup, and in my opinion, that's what was going on. We all have to be concerned about that because that would have devastating effects to us as a nation and economically over time. Oh, I, I think that it's not even a matter of question. I mean, the FISA warrants were to spy on a, a small time official who was in the Trump White House and it gave an opening to spy on Trump. Right. It's, it's kind of, I mean, to my way of thinking, this is, hopefully th these dominoes are going to fall and that people are going to be indicted and held accountable. And that that's really something that's a good thing for all of us, regardless of which side you are, because we can't have government like that. I mean, Richard Nixon resigned for about a 20th of this. In yeah, terms exactly. of bugging people and spying. I mean, exactly. so... Trump's one of Trump's premier issues was yep. building the wall, you know, preserving the border. Yeah. And um, 
you know, the, I noticed that, you know, the, 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 um, the people at like places like MSNBC, they're like, well, it's not really a wall, it's a, it's a fence. And a, but, the, but the point is that he's, he's going forward with this. What do you think of this policy? Does this make sense? Is it doable? Do you think it would work in terms of reducing illegal aliens coming into the country? Yeah, first of all, I think it's very doable. And and, and to clarify, the, the, when when they get into the semantical argument over wall or fence, that's just a waste of it. You know, those that want to have that argument to me is a waste of time. And, it, you know, it's absolutely humorous. But we there is a problem on the border. And I have had uh, guest sheriff. I had a sheriff last week um, on the show. Sheriff Lamb from Arizona, he's with the president all the time, and he tells us when he comes on to the show the real problems that he's facing on the border. But, you know, the American people, you know, us up in the Northeast, we don't think that's really affecting us. That's far from the truth. As he told me last week, and I had done some research, and he's 100% correct, those that sneak over the border don't hang around the border communities. They come to Massachusetts. They come to the Carolinas. They go to Florida. So it's a concern for everybody. But with that said, we need a policy. What other country can you just walk across the border? War-torn Syria now is harder to get into than the southern border of the United States. What does that tell you? No country allows you to just walk in, nor should we be offering everybody and anybody asylum to come into this country. We need to overhaul our regular, our legal immigration policies. We need to get that up to date. I personally believe we need to allow more people to come in through that means once they're properly vetted. But this whole this whole notion that it's being made up, there's not a crisis on the border, um, shame, shame on those that are spewing that information because there is a crisis. It is harming all of us. It, and if we don't get it under control between the gangs, possible terrorist groups coming into this country, and just the, the siphon on the dollar within different communities, you know, we're both Massachusetts guys, you go to the city of Lynn, uh, Lynn Mm. They don't have enough money in the school systems to teach the kids that are the families who are paying, been paying taxes all along. They have such an overrun of illegals in their system. So it is a problem. It has to be dealt with. And there's got to be a means to come in the country. And it has to be through a, a system that it is properly um, enacted on a daily basis, not just crossing the border. But it, it is out of control. And I've talked, I have friends that live on the border. Um, in that, in that country, and it's concerning. It's very concerning what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I also have talked to people on the border, and it's there are parts of that border that are very lawless, and that it could spill very easily into the United States. So, any sane sovereign nation protects its borders. It's just part of for the same reason that um, you protect your your private home. I mean, recently right. Jeff Jacoby quoted me in an article because I had said this on this podcast. That you know, the, the having a border wall is like locking the door to your house, you know, except it's for the nation, and that you do it because you want to protect yourself, not because someone's necessarily going to break in. And I've said to my my viewers and listeners that I'll bet you your car out in the driveway has a locked door. You know, you, you know, it's just I mean, animals understand this. Try to invade the space of a dog, you know, see what happens. I mean, it's it's natural that you protect. You know, your own borders, and as such, we set up nations to protect our national borders. So I think that people at some good level understand this, even if they don't admit it, and they, they look beyond this kind of atrocity propaganda that's put out by Trump's enemies. 
yeah. there's something somehow mean about doing this. And, and then that tells me that President Trump is standing pretty strong in terms of being reelected. Yeah. Uh, and that and that I think that the Republicans are going to do well in the next election because of some of these really nutty uh, Democrats who have been elected to Congress with the new Green New Deal and these very flaky people. Um, what do you think is going to happen? I know it's very early, but how do you see things unfolding? And do you see anyone coming up the ranks on the Democratic side who might be able to challenge Trump? At this point, the only person I feel if he, if he um, put his umbrella under the Democratic side would have been the former Starbucks CEO there. Right. I, I think I think he, Schultz. Uh, yeah, so. I think he's pretty. I think he has a lot of information. I think he's you know he could have given the president a run for his money, but at this point, there's nobody. Look, you never know what can happen. There's no one there that alarms me. And if the president keeps doing what he's doing and keeping the promises that he kept and try to keep America safe, and, and I agree with something else you said. I think the people are coming around when it comes to this issue, and other issues, they're sort of a little tired of listening to the bias of some of the mainstream media. So if he keeps it on, you know, steady and straight, doesn't do anything totally outrageous, I think he should not have a difficult time being reelected. Nor should we see maybe the, you know, think about the House and Senate by the Republicans. I think some, some of what's going on in the Democratic Party, to me, is absolutely some of the you know, young freshmen and Congress people are, are, are very scary. I'm not sure how long they'll be in the limelight, but they can do damage over a short period of time. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of them are outright advocating socialism. Yep. I'd like to tell them to try to see if they can, how long they'd last in Venezuela without their bourgeois capitalist money. <laughs> they probably, right. Um, right. And I think yeah. Venezuela couldn't have, you know, look at I feel bad believe what's going on in Venezuela. I think we need, personally, I think we need to step up the pressure to get that resolved down there. And I think probably this administration is. But it couldn't have happened for a better time for the American people to see what happens to people when they go down that road of socialism. That, a lot of young people don't even realize how wealthy that country was. And I like to tell people when I talk about Venezuela, the average person, adult in that country, never mind dollars or cent, lost 23 pounds last year. What does that to do? And they're not on Jenny Craig. And they can't even get a roll of toilet paper, for Christ's sake. I mean, uh, it's a problem. It's a big problem. Gary, yeah. yeah, you are at the flagship station in Worcester, WCRN. Um, and um, Worcester is a city that seems to me to be coming up in the ranks a bit. I was there recently. It looks like there's some new restaurants opening. There's some nightlife going on. There were young people. The city has a certain vibrancy. Union Station is a beautiful building. Absolutely. And it looks like it's, it's having some renovations. I think it was originally dedicated by Ulysses Grant, I believe, or, or was it Cleveland? But, um, yeah. It was Grant. But, yeah. um, you know, it's a city that it, I hope maybe exemplifies a lot of small cities in the United States that are sort of slightly forgotten and that have been in, in somewhat of a doldrum over the past maybe 20, 25 years. Do you sense that there's a revitalization in Worcester and what's going on in Worcester? Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's because I'm in and out of Worcester all the time. I mean, our studio has moved outside the city proper, but I, I for other business reasons, and the last several years, first of all, the Paw Sox going to Worcester, a lot of oh, people think huge. I think it's huge. Oh, yeah. You see a lot of the influx of people into that city that look at 
um, you know, condominium in Boston, this beautiful loft they're building in Worcester, and it's, you know, there's transportation from Worcester to Boston, so there's a lot of great things going on. A lot of colleges, it's a big college community as well, and a lot of industry is moving there. They've had these pushes before in that city, but I think they have a, the mayor is pretty good. I think uh, a lot of things working in their favor. One being is just know what place to go, so why not utilize a city like Worcester that has a lot of great, you know, cultural and educational and business tools for someone to uh, start their family and start their business in that area. I think it's great. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me that there's a lot of potential there. There's, the architecture is beautiful. There's a lot of churches. There's a lot of, you know, structure there. There's parks. You know, I, I'm hoping that uh, smaller cities like Worcester are really, you know, being governed better. Maybe they're getting rid of some of these old democratic machines. Yeah. And that they're starting to actually govern in a way that's pro-business and that's um, pro-people. So. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of upside to the city. Like I said, with the Paw Sox, they're doing a lot of roads over. Oh, yeah. They're going to put some money into that community, and I think it's going to buy them uh, great dividends in the future. So, Gary, um, I want to thank you for joining me. Tell my listeners and viewers where they can hear you and, and, and how they can reach you. Okay, they can hear me on Fridays from 1 to 2 and Saturdays from 8 to 9 on WCRN AMA 30. You can find me on uh, Facebook at Business Politics and Lifestyles, or you can um, email me at Gary at GaryOnBPL.com. All right, Gary Goldman is the nationally recognized host of Business, Politics, and Lifestyle at WCRN. Sorry about that. And uh, Gary, I want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. My problem. Have a great day. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.